All right, what's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. And you know what? We're starting a new series where we will be talking about each Colorado high school football team, one through five. Hey, we're going to cover each one uh, between now and the beginning of the season. Hopefully, this series gets done right before the season so that you could, you know, get a get a nice little preview of what to expect going into this next season and, you know, know what teams that you may want to support or, you know, you should be looking out for. And so on these previews, what we're going to do, we're going to recap last year. Talk about graduating seniors, players they are losing. Talk about key players that are returning, key players to look out for both offensively and defensively. And then we're going to predict the record slash give them a window of wins as in, you know, about what what's the win range we expect from this squad. Now, just keep in mind, not every team has their schedule complete, even though it is June 21st when I'm recording this. And so that's why we have the window of wins thing so that, you know, in case uh, games are added on as the season gets closer, then, you know, there you go. That's kind of our prediction. But obviously, we have to get this thing started early if we want to talk about every teams so on this episode uh, I'm gonna actually talk about uh, teams here in Colorado Springs and the surrounding areas as well and then we'll expand outwards from there on this episode so let's go ahead and get this thing started the first team we're gonna talk about on this episode is Pine Creek High School the Eagles last year you know, they played in that 4A, 5A league, uh, played 5A competition, but competed in the 4A playoffs. This year, I believe they are in 5A. So there's going to be a couple differences here as well. But uh, last year, they went 10-3. and You know, uh, I believe they one of those losses obviously came in the playoffs where they played Chatfield, who, you know, they were leading 28-21 to at one point. But eventually, they would go ahead and lose that game. And Chatfield would go on and defeat Erie to win state. So Pine Creek was pretty close. You know, last year, we predicted them to have a good team. You know, a very solid defense, very good defense. And then an offense that'd be centered around JoJo Roy. And speaking of JoJo Roy, you know, as a senior, they kind of relied on him all season. The offense kind of rotated around him. He had 15 passing touchdowns. 18 rushing touchdowns he did go down with an injury against Loveland in the playoffs and that kind of opened the door for freshman quarterback well at the time Cameron Cooper to hop in and get some things done for them they also had a great backfield between sophomore running back Mason Miller and uh, senior running back Zion Hill Uh, but Zion Hill would actually take over the reps after the Vista Ridge game which was around week three week two ish and he would basically take over from there even though they kind of relied on Mason Miller the first couple games of the season and he did very well so just keep that in mind now some other graduating seniors for this Pine Creek team you have Kale Reeves Dunbar I believe he was an honorable mention for a top five edge rushers list uh, on the season, he had 8 sacks, 60 tackles, 22 tackles for losses. Very productive. Uh, like you said, we had JoJo Roy. Um, I believe he was the touchdown leader plus yards leader in general for this offense. Had 33 total touchdowns. Zion Hill, he was their lead running back uh, and lead rusher. He had 15 total touchdowns and about 1,600 offensive yards. Uh, they're also losing their starting tie- tight end and leading receiver, 
Braden Kramer. He had 398 receiving yards and three touchdowns. He's off to play at Northern Arizona. Uh, they're also losing a defensive player in Gavin Wetzel, who was pretty key. He had 60 tackles, about six TFLs, tackles for losses, four pass deflections. They're also losing a starting corner, I believe, in Landon Neal, uh, who had 67 tackles, seven tackles for losses, two and a half sacks, and a pick. And then they're losing other players, such as Edward Bowman and Sam Stearman, who also contributed to this team. Altogether, they're losing five of their top 11 tacklers on defense, which isn't too bad. You know, they still are returning about half of their defense. But on offense, they're losing quite a bit here, including uh, basically, you know, their starting backfield outside of Mason Miller. Uh, so quarterback, running back, and they're losing their lead receiver slash tight end, um, which is going to be a big deal because he was a big body target for them now some key players to look out for now just keep in mind you know as we do our previews uh some battles haven't been won yet slash we don't know the outcome uh so just keep that in mind so we're gonna just you know do our best and talk about it but on offense they have a they have two quarterbacks who in my opinion could get the job done and not only lead them to the playoffs but lead them on a very deep playoff run here you have cameron cooper freshman backup from last year he'll be a sophomore this year uh, looked very good in sevens from what i've seen plus we know what kind of athlete he is he's a legitimate dual threat you can make a lot of people miss and then go ahead and gash you for a couple yards as well so there you go and then we have a transfer from florida he was a freshman last year uh, a lefty and baruch johnson you know he's a very nice thrower from some of the highlights i've seen uh with the team early on plus uh, you know game film i saw from his florida days he is a very good passer I, they, they look like they're on pretty similar levels as far as passing goes both are very talented both could really develop and honestly forget about development but like they could lead their team right now so with whatever quarterback they choose to go with you know it's i feel pretty confident with it you know and pine creek should feel pretty good that they have two very good quarterbacks on the roster and so those are the two guys who i believe will be vying for that starting varsity spot like i said regardless they'll be fine at running back, you have Mason Miller. I believe he received his first D1 offer to Iowa State. Super productive last year. This year, I mean, he's going to be the guy. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he went over 1,500 rushing yards and 15 rushing touchdowns this year. He is a very good player. Um, somebody that's going to eat behind this massive offensive line that Pine Creek is returning. And they're a young line as well. And that includes three-star Carson Kaplan. You have the freshman standout at tackle i believe Devonte johnson you have guards connor laxon also another lineman in tristan randall they got some big boys that could not only hit but they could move as well and so this is a very strong offensive line unit for pine creek arguably one of the best in the entire state now some uh some position players or skill players on offense to look out for you have justice nicholson the speedster last year you know he was used i believe he was the second leading receiver on this team and so you know he was kind of that slot guy that they used uh with cam coop you know entering the picture or baruch johnson either one you know he's gonna be somebody that i'm sure either would rely on you also have two very talented tight ends and kai oh my god i want to say it's goatsy or goat goatsey 
I'm so sorry. But Kai G, you know, the young tight end over there, he's done very, very good things in the offseason. 7 on 7. You're also returning Jerry Lydiot as well. And so, uh, a lot of guys that you are returning, even though you are losing some key players, uh, these young players did get playing time last year, so they should not be discounted at all. On defense, you have some very key returning players as well. At linebacker, you have Brett Alvey, arguably one of the best linebackers in the entire state. Probably a top five guy, top three guy, you know, if not one of the best guys out there. But definitely somebody that's going to lead this defense and, you know, lead a pretty stout defense at that. You also have Jaden Anatone, I want to say, uh, who was pretty productive last year. He's a good athlete. You have safety Layden Robinson, who you're returning. You have a very good DB in Ramon Pacheco. I got to see him put in work, not only for sevens, but, you know, some offseason stuff. Uh, same at, at the park every now and then. You know, he's been putting in work, you know. And so you have a very good defense. Now, those, those are only four guys that I named. And for the sake of, you know, this episode, because we are covering almost 10 teams per episode with these seasons previews i'm gonna leave it right there but there's a lot of players on this pine creek defense who are gonna return and who are gonna contribute a little bit more now that they're you know they're losing a couple of players they only lost five players on defense keep that in mind so still have about uh, or sorry you're only losing five of your top tacklers on defense so just keep that in mind you know they're still returning six of their top tacklers six of their 11 top tacklers from last year and so that is a very very good and so all that being said you know pine creek i fully expect them to be a force in 5a this year they are returning a lot of players they have a dominant line a lot of very good linemen over there you know they have a lot of very good young players who have been working towards this moment towards that starting position that they are now put in you know and so with all that being said i am gonna go ahead and predict them to have a nine and one record in terms of window of wins i'm gonna put them in the eight to ten range that's where i very much believe they will end with when the regular season is over high key i really wouldn't be surprised if they went undefeated but you know not every team has a perfect season and honestly a perfect regular season doesn't matter as much as a perfect postseason now the teams that i really feel like they could beat uh, now, they do play a team out in Vegas, I believe, in Nevada. I believe they could beat him. Then they play Valor Christian, second game. This is a team that they've been wanting for a minute here. Look, I'm going to just be real. Valor Christian, they're on the downswing. I think they beat him. Uh, I'm just going to be honest. I think they beat him. Valor, they have a new head coach. You know, they are replacing their entire team, basically. You know, it's still going to be Valor. There's, they still have talent over there. I know they have a three-star quarterback or whatever. But, you know, Pine Creek, they got a quarterback of their own. They got a running back of their own. They got a D1 line, basically. You know, they have a great defense as well. And so, uh, in my honest opinion, I think there's a very good chance Pine Creek could enter this game and dominate. Now, at the very least, if that doesn't happen, I think they could come out with the dub. So, there you go. Uh, other than that, I think they could beat Denver East, Mullen, Fountain for Carson, in my honest opinion. Uh, they're going to challenge them defensively, but offensively, they should be able to outshoot them. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I think they'll beat Regis Jesuit. 
Legend is kind of a rebuilding team here. I believe Legend, um, they played them pretty close, if not beat them last year. But Legend this year, they are losing a lot of players. They're a very young team. I think Pine Creek goes ahead and wins that one, as well as Douglas County and Chaparral uh, without many too many challenges here. Now, I'm going to be completely honest here. The one loss I do see, potentially, you know, because you got to think about all the scenarios here, is probably Vista Ridge. I think, also, I'm just going to throw this out there as well. I think they could potentially lose to Valor Christian or Regis Jesuit. But I, I still have Pine Creek favored in both of those games. I'm just going to be real. You know, uh, at the very least, if there's going to be one loss on the season, it's going to be one of those three teams, Vista Ridge, Valor, or Regis Jesuit. But in my opinion, this VR game will be close. Last year, you know, it was it was a very sloppy game from Braden Dorman. I'm not even gonna lie. You know, BB Hills, he definitely burnt this defense though, um, and the special teams as well. He did a lot of work on special teams. But going into this year, obviously, it's gonna be Braden Dorman and Hills last year to, uh, you know, to beat Pine Creek. You know, and this is kind of a growing rivalry here that I want people to keep an eye on. But for it to be a true rivalry. You know, Vista Ridge, the guy wins some games, and I think this is one they could definitely win. Won't be an easy game. You know, Pine Creek, they have to be on their toes for this one. And if they are and, you know, they play almost a perfect game, you know, I think there's a good chance that they win it. But you just got to keep in mind, man, I mean, Vista Ridge, they're, they're hungry for that first dub over Pine Creek in a minute here. And so I would not be surprised if Vista Ridge beats them. Other than that, honestly, I'd be surprised if Pine Creek loses more than two games this season. I legitimately think they're going to be a powerhouse here and going into the playoffs. They're going to be a contender. Now, we won't talk about playoffs and, you know, whether how good of a chance they have at winning state or whatnot. We'll do that when the season comes a little bit closer. I just kind of wanted to preview the regular season. But altogether, Pine Creek, I think they're a very strong squad. Like I said, I love their offensive line. They're very tough up front. Uh, their skilled players on offense are extremely talented with a lot of years ahead of them. And then, as always, it's hard to imagine a Pine Creek squad without a sharp defense or without a couple of stars on the defensive side of the ball they always have a couple not just one or two but they always have a couple and so you know this is going to be a very very dangerous pine creek team that like i said i'd be surprised if they lose more than two games so there you go moving on though let's go ahead and talk about another team in colorado springs and that is Doherty High School. Now, last year, they had a very tough year. Went 0-10, and 10, did not win a game. Uh, honestly, they were pretty severely outmatched with the type of teams they played last year. They did not have an easy schedule at all. Uh, honestly, their closest score was, I believe, 26-8 to to Douglas County. And remember, that was a Douglas County team even then that had the likes of A.J. Jackson, Chase Nelson... Uh, all these cats over there. But, you know, this team had to play Cherry Creek, Thunder Ridge, Pomona, Fountain Fort Carson, Ralston Valley. I mean, uh, every team they played on the schedule made the playoffs. Like, that's... Just think about that for a minute. Every team they played on their schedule made the playoffs. They might have been the only team in Colorado to play a playoff team every game of their season. So... 
you know, I'm gonna give them a little bit of credit here. Now they're a young kind of youngish team, anyways. So you know, that's that's kind of tough to work with as well. But uh, let me talk about some of the graduating seniors that they did have. So Dylan Mercer, uh, he is gonna be graduating. I believe he was their starting running back, lead rusher here. On 98 carries, he ran for 555 yards, five touchdowns. Nothing too crazy here. Uh, Connor, Connor Eggleton, I want to say, he was their second leading receiver. He is graduating. He had 322 receiving yards, no touchdowns on the year. They're also losing seven of their 11 top tacklers on this defense, including Brett Vacha, who is their second leading tackler. Also was their sack leader with three. So they're losing a couple players here. They're definitely losing some experience. Now, let me talk about some of the guys that I really feel like will be key players for Doherty this year. Will probably be captains or very big contributors to the squad. So number one, Solomon Latimer. Uh, he was their top receiver last year as a sophomore. Uh, he caught 22 receptions for 409 yards and three touchdowns. You know, if you if you look at the 22 receptions and what he's able to do with that, that's pretty solid. You know, and so you definitely take that. He also made the team full gorilla squad this year. And when I saw him at tryouts, I mean, he looked extremely good. I was very impressed by him. He immediately stood out to me. And honestly, I think he's somebody that could potentially be like potentially be one of the best receivers in the entire state uh, here in these next couple years, depending on how these seasons go. Now at quarterback, he will be a senior this year. But we have Caden Becker. Uh, I watched some of his film. I think he's I think he's pretty solid. You know, he's kind of a more athletic guy. He could throw it. He could run just a little bit here. I want to see where his development takes him uh, because last year, I, I mean, he just didn't have the cleanest year. He only had 119 passing attempts on the season, but out of those 119, he only completed 52 passes for a 43% completion rating. Through two touchdowns to seven picks, that's not the greatest ratio. And altogether, only threw for 801 receiving yards. Uh, also had 65 rushing yards and touchdown on 16 carries. Honestly, I think this is somebody that could take a step forward. I wouldn't be surprised if at the very least he makes our honorable mentions list. Now, I don't know if he'll make our top five list because the quarterback position this year in the state is extremely good. But, you know, I expect him to be one of the better quarterbacks in the state this year for sure. Uh, another guy to look out for is the running back Marquise Herrera, I want to say. He was their second leading rusher with about 300 yards. He looked like a very solid running back. Um, you know, that could take over here soon. On 62 carries, he ran for 300 yards. That's all right, you know. No touchdowns on the season, but you know he will be the guy for Doherty going to next year. I think he's kind of an established back uh, over there, and so that's never a bad thing having established players. Now, their lead tackler on the season was actually Micah Jacobs at linebacker. I believe he will be a junior next year, if I'm not mistaken. But as a sophomore, I mean, 37 total tackles, uh, and he led the team in tackles. And so going into this year, he'll be a junior. I think he's going to be one of the leaders of this defense. So another established player for Doherty. Now, here's the predicted record I have for them. I have them going 7-3 and three with a window of wins of about 5 to 7 
wins this season. I think realistically, uh, they're going to at least, and I mean at least, go 500. I have a hard time looking at this schedule and being like, eh, you know, they're going to lose more games than they win games. I definitely think they could go uh, 500 and then maybe win a game or two over that. Um, you know, compared to last year, this schedule is much easier. I, I don't think it's as brutal if I'm being completely honest here. Now, the teams I think they will most likely lose to, I think they lose to Fountain Fort Carson. Uh, I like their coaching staff over there. Plus, I think this is a team over at Fountain Fort Carson that, you know, has a bit more of a solid identity. So I'm going with them. Uh, I think they will also lose to Mesa Ridge. Now, Mesa Ridge, they are losing some players. Uh, and because of that, I think they'll be on the, you know, maybe a little bit closer to Doherty's level of talent slash experience, you know, if you want to combine those um, compared to last year where, you know, Mesa Ridge had so many better players and whatnot, but a lot of them did graduate. And so I think that will be a close one, but I still will go ahead and pick Mesa Ridge winning. And then Castleview, I mean, Castleview has a lot of seniors this year, I think. Um, or well, I know they do. And so I feel, I really feel like Castleview should be able to take care of Doherty. Now, most of their dubs will come in this new league that they are in. In terms of wins, I think they could beat Rampart. Um, they haven't played Rampart in a really long time, it felt. Uh, at least a couple years, but I honestly think Doherty is a better team than Rampart. So there you go. I think they could also beat Coronado. Uh, that's another team that they haven't played uh, in a minute here, or at least I don't think so. And I feel like, you know, at this point, with guys like Solomon Latimer, Caden Becker, uh, Marquis Herrera, Micah Jacobs, I really feel like they could beat Coronado. So there you go. And then on top of that, you have Mountain Range and Denver East. Uh, I think those two teams they should be able to beat. Now, they will be playing Westminster, North, North Glen, sorry, and Overland. And they could potentially be toss-up games because they really haven't played them in a very long time. And so there's not too much to go off of matchup-wise. They haven't played each other, so they're not used to each other's, uh, you know, players and schemes and all that. So it'll be interesting, but honestly, I probably favor Doherty against Westminster, North Glen, and Overland. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost a couple of these games, but at the very least, I really do think Doherty will at least reach 500. At best, you know, they win seven games. You know, and they're a couple games over 500, and I most likely they would make the playoffs if they are at 7-3. and three. So, altogether, Doherty had a very tough schedule last year. Every team they played was a playoff team, 1-0 and 10. This year, I believe they have a much easier schedule. You have players on the offensive side of the ball specifically who have a little bit more experience. You know, you're, the quarterback they have, I feel like, is a real sleeper out there. And all that being said, I really do feel like Doherty could at least reach 500, maybe go a couple games over that. So there you go. That's my prediction for Doherty High School, the Spartans. All right, now the next team i want to talk about is air academy now last year they went three and seven and they leaned pretty heavily on their phenom running back sam beers who was a junior at the time 
And he was basically their offense. And honestly, there were times it just worked out. They'd give him the ball 20 to 30 times a game. And he would go ahead and give this offense about 200 to 300 rushing yards and uh, at least three touchdowns. You know, and so there are times it would work. But Sam did go down with an injury that would put him out almost a month, roughly less than a month here. And that offense just struggled to score after that. You know, the only time this team scored over three scores in a game was when Sam Beers would play. So just keep that in mind. On top of that, they played extremely difficult comp uh, in their league with Vista Ridge, Palmer Ridge, and Montrose. Uh, you know, Montrose was the one seed, Palmer Ridge and Vista Ridge, both teams who made it past, this, I believe, the first and second round of the playoffs. So there you go. In addition, they also played playoff teams in Cheyenne Mountain and Ponderosa. So just a very tough schedule for them. Honestly, there wasn't really the greatest chance of them making the playoffs with that many teams, that many talented teams in their league. Now, they did notch wins, three wins, specifically this season against Liberty, who they beat 34-14. Widefield, they edged them out 20-14. And then they blew out Palmer 53-0. Um, but also, they had a close game at the end of the season. Sam Beers would return for this last game, but they would unfortunately lose this close one against Heritage 28 to 26 so kind of tough you know kind of tough for this air academy team now they did graduate a couple of seniors there's really only two seniors that i looked at and kind of id'd as like really important players and that was malachi ray he was their lead receiver also their second leading tackler and then kyle demos who was their second leading receiver uh and their lead tackler also led the team with interceptions only had two though so there you go and actually really only two seniors were in their top 11 tacklers last year and that was those two players uh, and then as you can see they obviously put in work at receiver as well and so really they're losing only two players here other than that pretty much the same team now key players for air academy um i'm gonna start with the quarterback i believe he will be a senior here that's Braden daughtry uh i believe that's how you say it if not i apologize but you know, while he wasn't overly impressive last year, given what he had to work with, you know, he did have a four touchdown performances with no turnovers against Heritage, which is pretty good. And it wasn't like he was going back to the same, you know, uh, player over and over again. He, he spread it out pretty well. So there you go. Now, that doesn't mean I expect great things out of him because of one game at the end of last season. But honestly, he should be able to contribute a little bit more to the offense of this year. You know, throw more touchdowns than picks, be able to move the ball, you know, take take the load off of Sam here just a little bit here and give them a little bit of a passing game. Uh, now, the other key player on this team is Sam Beers. He's been super productive for years now, a multi-year uh, varsity starter, and is honestly somebody that could set records this season uh, in the state for his school, all that stuff. He will be the offense of this Air Academy team this year, and he's a big-time player, no doubt about that. Now, other than that, you know, this Air Academy team, they just don't have a lot of players. They've always kind of had smaller rosters. They've had some turnover here and there. And so for them to have these two key players and Sam Beers and Daughtry to hold down the backfield, that is kind of big for Air Academy. Now, my biggest concern about them is that they are a little small up front as far as the line goes. 
but we'll see how that goes. Now, I'm going to go ahead and uh, predict the record. I think they're going to go 4-6. and six. They have a window of wins of around 4-6 to six wins. I'd be kind of surprised if they go over 500, honestly, but I wouldn't be that surprised. Uh, so let me break this down real quick. I think for sure, maybe not for sure, but I, th I predict them to get wins against Liberty, who last year they blew out. Widefield, who is losing a couple players, including, you know, a very good player in Derek Allen, DJ Allen. They should beat Sierra, and I think they should beat Rampart, assuming Sam Beers is healthy and is playing in all those games. Now, I think Sand Creek and Coronado can potentially be toss-up games, but I definitely favor those opposing teams in those games. I think, honestly, Sand Creek might edge out Air Academy. Uh, same with Coronado against Air Academy, but I wouldn't be surprised if Air Academy sneaked one of those dubs. Now, bottom line, Sam Beers is going to have to do a lot for this team. In general, the numbers for this team are never a lot, like I said, and they do go through a bit of turnover, so that's tough, uh, especially pairing that with a tough schedule here uh, with two of the best teams down south here on their schedule back-to-back -back in Vista Ridge and Palmer Ridge, I believe. That honestly kind of just sucks. That's just a tough go. You know, those are two teams that could potentially put four or five scores on them just because of how deep they are at basically every single position and so altogether honestly i think sam beers he's gonna have an excellent season for air academy i think the quarterback Braden here he's gonna put up some numbers and whatnot but there's only so much you could do to rely on those two guys the defense you know they have to be good tacklers offensively you hope a couple receivers uh you know step up in the place of the top two receivers that they're already losing this year and I think that might be a little bit too much for this Air Academy to handle, especially in this league. So, 4-6, and six, I think that's the record they'll have. Maybe they win six games, but that's like best case scenario. So, we'll see, but that's my prediction for Air Academy. Alright, now, coming up next, we're going to talk about Coronado High School here. We are going to start by talking, well, previewing this 2022 season for them by talking about their 2021 season. So last year, went 3-7, got big blowout dubs, though, against Grand Junction, who they beat 36-7. They beat Air Academy 50-20, and then they beat Liberty 42-14. They did have some pretty close losses, though, against Lewis Palmer, who they lost 14-6, and Rampart, who they lost to 30-23. Basically, the rest of those losses, though, were blowouts. So, Coronado had a chance to go at least 500, you know, but just some tough games there. Now, some graduating seniors for, Corn for Coronado. They're losing their starting quarterback, Jaden Rempel. Um, lead passer was, I want to say, a three-year starter last year. Passed for 542 passing yards, seven touchdowns to four picks. Was also the fourth leading tackler on the squad with 36. They're also lead, losing their lead receiver in Ross Woods. Led the team with 21 receptions, 254 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Also rushed for 239 rushing yards and three touchdowns as the second leading rusher. Uh, they're also leading or losing, sorry, Aiden Ocampo, uh, who led the team in receiving touchdowns with four. They're 
losing Rhett McCarthy as well, who's their lead tackler with 52, also co-led in sacks with five. Altogether on defense, they're losing five of their top 11 tacklers from last year to graduation. So quite a bit of, you know, quite a bit of talent they're losing here. But, you know, Coronado, I do believe they are, you know, they got some players here for sure that'll step up that, you know, showed some flashes last year. I think one of their key players here is Dylan Jardine uh, or Dylan Jardin. He will be a senior running back and he led the team with 636 rushing yards and three touchdowns as a junior last year. I think this year he takes a pretty significant step forward. Uh, in all their wins last year, he rushed for over 80 rushing yards. He's a patient runner who would, he's going to put in work for this team. You know, he's a very efficient runner as well and so i think he's gonna continue to improve those numbers and give them a little bit more as a senior uh, on top of that you know in that backfield they have a quarterback in jackson gutowski i want to say he will be a junior this 2022 season and last year he got some reps and you know put up some pretty okay numbers now he was used a lot as a rusher um as he did run for 224 rushing yards and a touchdown on about 46 attempts he's definitely athletic enough to gain yards on the ground but his throwing is what caught my eye uh, in general, he had some flashes against Fountain Fort Carson that I really like. And I'd like to see if he can produce similarly on a consistent basis now that he is the starter. Uh, and if he does, then obviously this team will benefit from it. He's still a young quarterback, you know, will be a junior this year. And so there's a lot of development that's going on. And plus, you know, as a full-time starter, I could imagine he'll have a bit of a boost of confidence. But I think he's potentially somebody that could light it up both on the ground and through the air. But we will see. Uh, another player to look out for. Well, one of the last uh, key players for Coronado to look out for, at least that I'm mentioning on this episode, is Aiden Luna. He will be a senior. And he was a force on offense and defense last year. Last year, he co-led in sacks with five. Also being one of their top tacklers at 45 tackles. And just keep in mind, this guy is playing defensive tackle. So for him to be, you know, co-leading in sacks and being one of their top tacklers, that's pretty good because he's a big boy moving around there. I think he's at least 260, 270 pounds. So love to see that. Uh, definitely will be somebody that opposing lines and coaches will need to key in on because he's going to put in work in those trenches. Now, Coronado here has only scheduled six games up to this point and so i'm gonna go ahead and predict those six games first i think you know they'll probably split their games and go three and three like i said i uh, only have six games but i predict them beating rampart air academy and falcon uh honestly i think shine mountain and doherty will be pretty close games and they may honestly they may even be able to sneak away with dubs but their backfield will need to have very good games to do that. I think if, you know, that quarterback Jackson Kutowski really steps it up, then I think both of those games will be very, very winnable games. And it'll be the battle. Well, it'll just be a matchup seeing, you know, which quarterback could score more and make less mistakes as uh, the game usually goes. If they do schedule more games, honestly, I think realistically, they probably go 500 or finish one game below or under that. And so their window of wins that I'm giving them is four to six. Uh, I don't think they're going to have a horrible season and like lose more than six games. 
I also don't think they're going to win more than six games. So we're going to see what happens. Um, I'm really interested in seeing how Jackson Gutowski develops. But like I said, you know, Coronado, they are returning some talent here. I really like their running back, Dylan Jardin, here, who's been a very patient runner. Uh, Jackson Gutowski, he showed some flashes last year, especially against a very tough Fountain for Carson defense. We'll see if he could, you know, put out some of those uh, uh, flashes, but on a more consistent basis as the starter this year. And then you also have the big lineman in Aiden Luna, who I honestly, I'd be surprised if he doesn't contribute and is an impact player on offense and defense at line and defensive tackle but altogether i think coronado will have a pretty solid year and go 500 with a window of wins of four to six all right let's go ahead and preview cheyenne mountains 2022 season but first let's talk about last year so in the regular season they went eight and two they would lose that playoff game so altogether they went eight and three now, this is a team that I predicted last year, so I want to talk about my prediction last year. Uh, before the season started, I actually predicted them to go 9-1. and one. They dropped a game against Pueblo East, which I, at the time I predicted as a very winnable game. I felt like it was pretty winnable, so there you go. Then against Widefield, I did say they may have problems against them, so there's no surprise that they dropped it 33-31 to 31 in a close one. Other than those uh, couple games there, they pretty much went, uh, their season pretty much went how I predicted it to go. You know, I predicted them to win the I-25 league, and obviously when you win that league, that's an automatic uh, berth in the playoffs. And I also predicted them to beat Falcon on their way to the playoffs as well. And you know what? That game ended up mattering because Cheyenne Mountain and Falcon basically had the same record, same league record, I believe, but Cheyenne Mountain had the tiebreaker, and so that's why you know they went to the playoffs instead of falcon now once in the playoffs unfortunately they had to face a very tough golden squad uh led by jazo riley over there and you know his cast as well they all played a very good game and so that was kind of just a tough go for them but still you know a very solid season they had a lot of talent on this team now speaking of talent on this team a lot of them did graduate so let me talk about some of these guys here so uh first off nico gagliardi arguably the most athletic and talented kid on this version of cheyenne mountain he was their lead rusher with 927 rushing yards 16 touchdowns it was also their lead tackles um, he, sorry, he was their leader in tackles and had 22 tackles for losses and was also second in sacks with six. So definitely somebody that they're going to be missing out there as he has graduated. They will also be missing Jesse Bully. Now, Jesse's older brother was a force for this team who graduated the year prior. Uh, but Jesse Bully this year or this last year, he, he was a big impact player. He was their lead receiver with 24 receptions, 330 receiving yards, and he was also their second leading tackler and led the team in sacks with eight. Plus also was a big body that took care of business there as well. And then the last senior that I want to talk about is Sullivan Moon. He led the Cheyenne Mountain team in, in uh, sorry, receiving touchdowns with seven and was also the third leading tackler on the squad. Altogether, Cheyenne Mountain on defense, they're losing seven of their 11 top tacklers from last year. So they're going to be introduced 
producing a very fresh and new defense this upcoming season. Now, let me talk about some of the guys that, you know, I feel like will be key players for Falcon. And I'm going to start at the quarterback position with Bruce Archambault. Now, he started at quarterback as a sophomore, went uh, for 100 or sorry, 1,255 passing yards, 20 touchdowns to seven interceptions on the year and you know he had a very solid year now last year just keep in mind uh, Cheyenne Mountain really relied on their run game you know obviously you have that big body running back in Nico Gagliardi but you also have this next player that I'm going to talk about a little bit as well and so he didn't have to do too much but he still produced and so moving forward into his junior year I'm really interested in seeing you know how Bruce here developed and how he's going to be a big impact player for this team because he had some very nice flashes throughout the season where you know there wasn't as much pressure on him now that he is the guy he's an upperclassman probably will be a captain all that stuff I want to see how he responds and if he could lead this offense that might pass it a little bit more now that they lost a couple running backs speaking of running backs though they are returning their second leading rusher in zach johnson who had 709 rushing yards and eight touchdowns on the year last year as a junior he's more of their speedy finesse back and so going into this next year as a senior he will be the lead back at least i expect him to and uh, potentially somebody that, you know, Sean Mountain could lean on. And now, even though he is a shifty fastback, uh, he's six foot, 185, so he's built. Also, he was first team All-League last year. And so, um, look, I'm just going to be honest. I think he will eat this season. He's going to put in work. He's definitely one of the mainstays of the Cheyenne Mountain team. And is somebody that is an established player that is returning for his last season. And so it's never a bad thing having these vets and established players going into a football season. So look out for him to really be one of the focal points of this offense along with Bruce Archambault at quarterback. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, we have Hayden Kuppenheimer, I want to say. He was fourth on the team in tackles at middle linebacker last year and will most likely be the leader of this defense as a senior and middle linebacker. I think he can put up some pretty big numbers. Um, and he's going to have to anyways because they're losing so many tacklers. Like I said, they're losing seven of their top 11 tacklers from last year. That means they're only returning four of their top 11 tacklers from last year. And so uh, Hayden here, he, he was a big part of that defense uh, last year. And I think he'll be a big part of this defense this year. And will probably stack up some very impressive numbers as well. Now, two other players I want to talk about real quick, Gabriel Lucas and Brody Dwyer. Uh, they co-led in interceptions. They each had four. They'll be seniors this year, and so they will be returning. And honestly, it's never a bad thing to have experience here at DB. You got two guys here who were productive last year. Now, going into this year, it'll be really interesting to see how they approach, um, you know, this next season and how well they do but that's not a bad you know little base core to work with on your defense you have a middle linebacker and you have your two interception leaders from last year coming back now let me go ahead and predict the record as of right now you know june 22nd 2022 they have scheduled eight games against Pueblo east 
Greeley Central, Pueblo Centennial, Denver South, Air Academy, Rampart, Palmer Ridge, and Coronado. So I'm going to predict uh, the record off of the schedule they have posted right now. They could add up to two games, so just keep that in mind. But honestly, I think they could go 6-2. and two. I think their window of wins is anywhere between 5 to 7 wins this season. So let me talk about the games that I feel like they will probably lose for sure. I think Denver South, Palmer Ridge, uh, both very deep teams. Denver South is a team with a very talented quarterback, a very talented receiver over there um, who have multiple D1 offers, I believe, by the way. So there you go. Uh, so they're going to be dangerous for sure. And then you have Palmer Ridge. You know, they have so many players at so many positions. They're just honestly, they're just better than Cheyenne Mountain right now. So unless Bruce Archibald takes a huge step forward and is, you know, a top quarterback in the state next year. I just don't think they have the offensive firepower or really defensive firepower since they'll uh, be putting out a lot of green players who didn't have that much varsity experience because of the players in front of them. I just don't think they'll be able to stack up well against uh, Denver South and Palmer Ridge. At least on paper, it looks that way. So there you go. Now, I'm going to say this. I kind of feel like they could lose to either Coronado or Air Academy. I don't think they'll lose to both. But I feel like one of those teams on the right day could really challenge Cheyenne Mountain and beat them. Now, Air Academy, they have Sam Beers, Coronado. They are returning some players and have some, you know, they have some interesting talent over there on offense as well. I think they are very much on par with Cheyenne Mountain. Now, like I said, you know, Cheyenne Mountain, they're going to have to start a lot of players that haven't played varsity before. So they have a couple unknowns. And so that's why I'm not super sure. But I feel like one of those teams could beat Cheyenne Mountain on the right day. I would still probably favor Cheyenne Mountain there. Now, the teams I really do feel like they should be able to beat uh, Cheyenne Mountain, that is, is Pueblo East. Really central, even though it won't be easy because they have that boy, Jano Trujillo, over there. And, you know, he's a good quarterback. We'll see what happens. But I, I'm going to go ahead and favor Cheyenne Mountain in this one against Central. And then the other two teams I feel like they should for sure be able to beat Slash. You know, teams that I feel like I would favor uh, Cheyenne against is Pueblo Centennial and Rampart. So you have a, a couple of toss-up games here. Honestly, I really feel like Cheyenne Mountain should win at least five games. I think they could at least go 500. Um, that's probably worst case scenario. Now, if they win a game or two over 500, I wouldn't be surprised either. I think a lot of their success really hinges on how well this defense plays, what kind of talent they have stepping into some of these open spots. And then on offense, you know, how is Bruce Archambault going to do at quarterback? I know what Zach Johnson could do. I know he's probably going to put up numbers, probably rush for 1,000 yards, 15-plus touchdowns, uh, or have some sort of combination of that between rushing and receiving. But with Bruce, you know, I just really want to see how he develops because I think him being good to very good can mean the difference between a couple wins and a couple of these games here and so we'll see what goes down altogether you know Cheyenne Mountain is a team that is losing a lot of known commodities a lot of players that I knew what they were going into last season and so it was no surprise that they finished the way they did I was pretty much spot on with Cheyenne Mountain going into this year you know you have a couple unknowns you're losing the majority of your defense you're losing your starting running back you know you're losing a couple other guys on offense as well outside of that backfield and so 
We'll see what happens, but ultimately, I think Shine Mountain should at least be able to go 500, at least win five or so games. And if they go over, then, you know, it's because a couple other players stepped up. A couple other players that I have not mentioned stepped up. So there you go. All right, so coming up next, we're going to talk about the Rampart Rams last year. In 2021, they had kind of a rough year. They were losing a lot of players, including star quarterback, star athlete, Kale Cormani, who graduated the year before back in 20, well, I guess 2021. So there you go. But he wouldn't play uh, last season here, obviously. And so Rampart kind of struggled. They went 2-8. and eight. They had two big wins against Liberty, who they smashed 55-0. to zero. I believe my little brother was at the game. He got a really nice highlight reel, a uh, hype reel for Rampart there. And then Rampart went ahead a um, couple games later, near the end of the season, pulled out a close one against Coronado, who they defeated 30-23. to 23. Now, they had close games against Skyline, Stanley Lake, and Mesa Ridge. But other than that, they were blown out in the other games they had that season. So it wasn't even, it wasn't the worst season to have after losing so many senior players. Uh, last year, Logan Candelaria was one of the lone bright spots before they slowly moved away from him, which I don't know why, but they did. Uh, he started the season very strong, and then they just kind of didn't give him the carries after that. Uh, after the Vista Ridge game specifically, where we had 13 carries, he would only hit double-digit carries one time uh, after that out of five games, out of those last five games. And so, a very interesting decision considering he was one of the few productive players on this squad. But let me go ahead and talk about the graduating seniors that they are losing, starting with Logan Candelaria on the season. Uh, like I said, his uh, carries went down significantly near the end, but still rushed for 635 rushing yards and 8 touchdowns, so that's good. Uh, Butler here, I believe, was the second rusher with 304 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. He was also their second uh, leading tackler with 49. Uh, speaking of tacklers, 6 of their 11 top tacklers are graduating that also includes noah zimmerman who was second in sacks with four uh was also seventh in tackles with 39 uh jabez dean he was the interception leader with two along with quentin klitsch i want to say who had an interception so basically everyone who had an interception last year is graduating as well and they're also losing at least four linemen on both sides of the ball so they're not losing the most amount of players but they do have to replace roughly half their uh you know defense and then they are losing some pretty significant players on the offensive side that were very productive including their starting running back um the backup running back as well and then a couple offensive linemen too so still kind of a tough go here for rampart uh, now, key players to look out for going into this next year, I think number one, Roman Valdez. I think he's arguably the best athlete on their team. He did lead the team in receptions, uh, well, in receiving, and also got carries in that close win against Coronado. He got a lot of carries in that close win against Coronado, where he just came up big. You know, Also, defensively, he was one of their lead tacklers. 
honestly, he's just a player that Rampart absolutely needs to get involved whenever possible. Because like I said, I think it's very obvious that he's one of their best athletes. That was obvious last year. Going to this year, he may be their best player straight up. So we'll see how they use him defensively and offensively. But he's definitely a talent that will put up numbers for this Rampart team that just needs established players to make plays. Now, speaking of established players, they do have their quarterback returning. I believe last year was his first full year starting at quarterback. He will be a senior this year. And that I'm, I'm saying that unless, you know, this new coaching staff decides to go in another direction. But, you know, the quarterback they had last year should be returning. And so that's not a bad thing, you know, having a guy that has had experience. But, um... Interesting enough, after the Vista Ridge game last year, he never had double-digit pass attempts again. So, honestly, I don't know what they were doing on offense. But uh, after that Vista Ridge game, I mean, his attempts went way down, significantly down. And so, going into this year, we will see if the offense can be more productive with him there. Uh, he didn't have the greatest year. I believe he threw more picks than touchdowns. And I don't know if he threw over a 1,000 yards. I don't think he did. And so, kind of a tougher year. But we'll see if he could take a step forward and develop and if this new coaching staff with which by the way they got a new head coach uh they're still keeping their old head coach on the staff but they did get a new head coach so we'll see if this uh i guess new in quotation marks coaching staff could get something going with their quarterback see if they could uh do some things with his experience there now another senior player that i want to talk about before i move on to predict the record is juan ramirez he will be a senior middle linebacker for them this uh, upcoming season but last year he actually led the team with 89 tackles he was the tackle leader so going to this year he will absolutely or at least i think he will be one of the top um tacklers for this team and one of the leaders slash captains for this team hopefully you know show that um well he'll hopefully show that rampart can be tough on defense since he will be returning so they do have a couple players coming back that are established and all that great stuff but they definitely still have a long way to go like i said they are losing about half of their defense and a couple of linemen so there are definitely open spots for competition and room for players to step up and do their thing now i'm gonna be real i they need to have, figure out their passing game you know, they can't just run the ball and all that because you're only so limited by doing that and playing good defense, which, you know, I don't know if you could exactly count on leaning on this defense that will be starting six new starters, basically, uh, roughly six new starters, basically, uh, who haven't played varsity football before because of, you know, how many seniors and upperclassmen were in front of them. So we'll see about that. But uh, with all that being said, I'm gonna go ahead and predict the record at one and nine give them a window of wins anywhere between one and three and i'm just gonna be completely honest like brutally honest the only team that i really like absolutely feel like they can beat and i absolutely favor on their schedule right now is palmer high school so that's that's where the one win is coming from. They shouldn't. There's no reason that they should not win a game this season. So there you go. Um, I think they could potentially beat Air Academy and Mesa Ridge, but they need to find an identity on offense. 
outside of Roman Valdez because he's a skilled player. Unless you put him at quarterback, you know, I don't know what more he could do. Um, and honestly, his performance really depends on how well the quarterback plays as well because he can't throw it to himself. So there you go. Uh, th- that identity on offense is going to be really important. You know, I think it's going to be a big deal to see whether Sears is the guy or whether they go in a different direction or whether they feel like they could fix Sears and uh, fix some of those mistakes he made early on and have him throw more touchdowns and picks. But we'll, we'll see, you know. I mean, we saw what he did last year, and so obviously that's not the greatest film to go off of, but he's at an offseason. So there are definitely a couple unknowns, but as it stands right now, they don't have the strongest identity on offense. So, there you go. And that's extremely concerning. So, we'll see about that. Uh, throw in, you know, in additionally, them replacing a couple of linemen. Defense losing about half its production they had from last year. And honestly, I just don't have a lot of confidence in them against some of these teams on their schedule. So, they have to play Coronado to start the season. They might be able to sneak that one out by kind of like Coronado's identity on offense a little bit better, a lot better than Ramparts. Plus, they do have that big Aiden Luna kid. And, you know, for Rampart, they are a little bit small up front. So I think they might struggle with a Luna over there. So we'll see about that. Uh, against Doherty, you know, they have a couple players over there between Becker, Latimer, and all. Um, but I still think Doherty has a little bit more talent, experience, experienced talent at that as many of them did play last year and are returning so there you go like i said they should be palmer dakota ridge palmer ridge vista ridge all the ridges outside of mesa ridge probably uh absolutely just deeper better at each position so those would be tough i think heritage realistically could beat rampart i know they're building something over there they have a lot of young great players that I think right now are a little bit more established than some of the varsity players on Rampart right now. So there you go. Uh, Cheyenne Mountain. You know, I, I like uh, Bruce Archibald a lot. I like what they have on offense. They have a very clean identity. And then, you know, you have Air Academy. Air Academy may not be the most productive offense outside of Sam Beers, but they definitely have a stud in him and an identity there. So uh, there you go. Maybe they beat Air Academy. Honestly, maybe they beat Air Academy. But Really, other than that, I don't know who else they're beating outside of, you know, the team that I predicted them to for sure beat, which is Palmer. And then you have Air Academy and Mesa Ridge, which could be toss-ups, but I still favor Air Academy and Mesa Ridge against Ramparts. So, there you go. On top of that, gonna be completely honest, you know, had my ear to the ground, not really feeling the coaching staff at all. Uh, definitely some things that I did not like to hear, uh, coming out of the spring football season. And I, I'm in, I'm in show me mode. You know, you gotta, you gotta show me a little bit more now. Show me that, you know, they could actually lead and uh, develop some of these kids because I, I have a lot of doubts. I'm just going to be honest. And so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, not go too much into what I heard. And just see what happens, you know, but up until now, I think realistically they win. They win at least one game for sure. Uh, but at most, maybe they win three games. So there you go. Out of roughly 10, I want to say. 
So we'll see about Rampart. Like I said, Rampart, uh, they are losing some key players here. Uh, I am concerned about their identity on offense. I mean, they're losing basically half their production on defense. On top of that, they have a really hard schedule. Like Palmer Ridge, Dakota Ridge, Vista Ridge are all playoff teams and probably contenders at that. So they're, they're not, I mean, I don't think Rampart's a playoff team. So there's going to be a lot of issues here. And just in general, their schedule is tough. So I think uh, at best, they win three games. At worst, they win at least one game. So there you go. That is Rampart High School. That's their preview for 2022. All right, now coming up next, I'm going to talk about Falcon High School, the Falcon Falcons, and how their season last year went. So uh, on the season, well, officially, according to their max preps, they won six and three. Um, just to be honest, they won six and four because they forfeited a game against Mesa Ridge. And so I'm personally going to go ahead and count that. Uh, they had a lot of drama go on last year, which did result in their head coach getting fired and coach Josh Flores taking over. That's somebody that I know and whatnot, so I'm just going to throw that out there. But in league before the season last year, I predicted them to go 3-2. and two. Instead, they went 4-1. and one. As far as records go, if you include the Mesa Ridge forfeit, I was basically one game off in my um, preseason prediction for Falcon. Uh, they beat Widefield, uh, which I don't, I mean, I, I predicted Widefield beating them. And also, I got the Vista Peak and Brighton game switched. I said uh, they would beat the other one, and they ended up, yeah, you know, they ended up winning uh, one of those games and losing the other one. So, really, that's all that mattered at the end as far as predicting the record and numbers go. So, it all worked out. Uh, I was really close in my prediction, and basically, what I predicted happened last season, which. You know, I said they're going to have a pretty solid season. They're going to be over 500, but it was going to come down to that Cheyenne Mountain game. I said that before the season, or I think it might have been in the uh, right at the beginning of the season when I said that and predicted that. And so they played Cheyenne Mountain. They lost. I, at the time, you can look back at the recap. I felt like that was a very winnable game at multiple parts uh, throughout that game. And so it was unfortunate, but that's basically why they didn't make the playoffs. Despite having uh, the same league record as Cheyenne Mountain. Cheyenne Mountain obviously had that tiebreaker. And so, you know, going into this season, there's going to definitely be a new identity. As they did lose quite a bit of seniors here. Um, that were pretty talented and were very productive last year. And so that includes their their starting quarterback, Cam Robinette. He was their lead passer. He was a multi-year starter last year. Threw for 696 passing yards. Uh, five touchdowns to nine picks, though. But did rush 230... Um, sorry, rushed for 230 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns. So pretty all right here. Uh, they're also losing Damon McDonald. Um, rushed for 269 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. Also led in interceptions with seven. They're losing Ryan Patterson. He led the team in sacks with 12. Also had 42 tackles and was the second leader. They're losing Matthew Grady, who's their lead tackler with 45. In general, on defense, they're losing seven of their top 11 tacklers. And then probably the most important player, the most productive player statistically that they're losing is their star bruising running back Darius McFarlane, who I believe will be playing at Western next year here in Colorado um, on the next level. But on 128 carries, he ran for 876 rushing yards and four rushing 
touchdowns. So Falcons losing a lot. And I knew that going into this next season. Uh, last year, you know, was a great opportunity to win their league. But unfortunately, they came up just a little bit short. Now, going into this season, there's going to be a lot of new faces. I mean, they're basically replacing their entire defense. They lost their, their backfield outside of Carter Thorpe. So there you go. They're losing their sack leader. They're losing their interception leader. I mean, they got a lot to work with here. And on top of that, you know, they're losing their head coach, which in my opinion isn't the biggest loss. And they have a new head coach over there in Coach Flo. So... There's going to be a lot of turnover here. I think this Falcon team in general is just very green. And like a lot of young teams here in Colorado, you know, there's going to have to be players that prove themselves and step up. But let me go ahead and talk about some players here that I feel like are semi-established and should be able to contribute to Falcon. Starting with Carter Thorpe. Last year, he played running back, even though he is a quarterback. And, you know, he did pretty high as a running back. He put up 741 rushing yards which and five rushing touchdowns on 92 carries, which considering the fact that he was splitting carries with Darius McFarlane, Cam Robinette, Damon McDonald, that's pretty good. You know, that's pretty good. You just got to be a talented dude to be able to do all that. But let's just be honest. He's really a quarterback. And he had a very decorated middle school career. I believe he was undefeated. And now he finally gets his chance to start as Falcons quarterback as a junior. So he has two years here. You know, uh, honestly, I think he's a legit dual threat. I've looked at his film, everything from middle school to uh, the few, you know, film uh, the pass attempts he got in high school to his running back film his sophomore year. And then I did get to see some of his throws in seven on seven. And he looks pretty good, you know, placing the ball in pretty good spots, you know, accurate, strong arm, all that stuff. Now, the biggest question will be, uh, well, part of it will be whether the team will adjust and pass the ball more so that he isn't running the ball and taking on as many hits. And the other question to be answered as well when it comes to Carter Thorpe is, you know, how is he going to look as a first year full time quarterback starter? And how is he going to respond to certain situations uh, as the full-time starter, you know, you're not going to be winning every game. You're not going to be leading in every game. So you're going to have to put up some numbers, put up some fights, and uh, all of that great stuff. So we'll see what happens, but I'm very excited to see Carter Thorpe here take the helm at quarterback. I expect some pretty great things there. And so there you go. Falcon has an established player in Carter Thorpe. At the very least, he's going to be able to run the ball for them and be productive, um, which... I mean, there's not too much more you could expect out of a first-year starting varsity quarterback. Now, another guy I feel like might get uh, a little bit more recognition this year, might put up a lot more numbers, is Noah Nosita. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. If I'm not, I apologize. But, uh, you know, he plays receiver last year as a sophomore on 11 receptions. He went for 209 receiving yards, no touchdowns. Let the team actually in receiving yards. At least that's what it says here on max preps and surprisingly enough the second player in receiving hurts on this list is uh, the guy who's probably gonna play quarterback for them in carter thorpe so there you go but you know falcon hopefully they throw the ball a little bit more than they did last year and whatnot and if they do and they move to more of a pass pro type of system you could see a pretty big jump in his numbers honestly uh, i mean Going for 209 receiving yards on a, just 11 receptions, that's pretty solid. 
you know, that's pretty solid. And so if they do pass the ball more, most likely he'll be in the mix as one of their top receivers. So just keep an eye out on him. Now, Corey Hotel, he will be a junior defensive tackle this upcoming season and is honestly one of the few returners on this defense and was a top 11 tackler for this team from last season. So going into this year, he needs to take a step forward and be more of a force now that the likes of, uh, you know, Patterson, who had uh, he had like 12 sacks on the season, are gone. So Corey Hotel is not only going to have to, you know, stop the run and all that stuff, but if Falcon could get some pass rush from him as well, that would go a long way in shoring up this defense. Now, another player they have as well is David Chumley III. Uh, he was one of their bigger players at around 235 pounds. I mean, he's still around there, but he was just barely one of the top tacklers from last year and so you should definitely see a significant uptick in production for the squad as you know like i said you're losing a couple defensive players and so i'm looking to him and hotel to really hold it down in the trenches and be productive if they can't be productive it might get a little rough sometimes on the defensive side of the ball since they are just so young over there but those two guys should definitely get some good playing time and be productive there now before I move on, you know, I want to shout out a couple of my former students out here that are on the team and might get some playing time. We'll see, you know, uh, and maybe a bigger role on this team. But like I said, we'll see about that. But I want to shout these kids out because they will be sophomores this year. And, you know, there's a lot of open spots and opportunities on the starting varsity squad. And so it's really up for grabs. You know, they just got to take their spot and claim it. But I want to shout out uh, Tyler Cox. He is a quarterback. Now, if Falcon wants to do this, keep Carter at running back and put Tyler at quarterback, they can. But I know Carter has been taking snaps at quarterback, so I don't really see that happening. But he's there as the backup quarterback, so there you go. Uh, Christian Bertoff, tight end defensive end. He's kind of a taller kid, uh, one of their bigger kids as far as height goes on the squad. I believe he'll be there. You got big size Swan listed at 6'7", 2'10". You know, he's a lineman. You have Jogel Akers Hernandez, 5'11", 235 pounds. He could add some depth to that line on either side. Calvin Olsen, you have the Puff Paths. A couple more players that, you know, I'm, I'm just going to kind of leave it at that and see if, you know, one of them step up and fill some of the holes here on this Falcon football team here but like i said this is going to be a young team so there's going to be opportunities for them to claim their spot it's just up to them and it's up to the coaching staff so we'll see what happened but let me go ahead and predict this record for falcon here and i'm just going to be honest they are very young their most experienced and probably their most established varsity player on the roster right now is probably Carter Thorpe, and even then, he was splitting carries at a couple different positions over the last two years. And, you know, it's not a bad thing to have an experienced quarterback, running back, whatever, but there's only so much you could do with that player. Plus, there's also the question of what kind of system they're going to run. Are they going to run that same just ground and pound system, or are they going to open it up and throw it a little bit so that, you know, it could potentially open up the run as well a little bit, help them out, be a little bit more productive. So there's a lot of questions here. And so with that being said, I think realistically, I think they go 2-8. Uh, they have about a window of wins of two to four. I think this year is really just a learning year for a lot of their young players. And on top of that, 
um, even if it wasn't a learning year for their players, this schedule is insanely difficult. Like, their non-league games are challenges, every single one, especially for a team that has to replace so much. So they didn't really do themselves too many favors. Now, on the bright side, you know, a lot of their young players, they're going to get to prove themselves against, you know, some pretty good talent here. But let me just go down the line with the schedule. So they open up the season away against Founds and Fort Carson. Founds and Fort Carson, excellent defense, arguably the number one linebacker in the state. They have a three, four-year starter at quarterback. Uh, they have all these great linemen. I believe they have a three-star lineman in Lincoln over there. You know, I, they, they're stacked. Uh, also, they have a great tight end in Josiah Steven Silva. You know, and so they're going to be a handful for Falcon. Maybe if it was this Falcon team from last year, they would stand up a little bit better. But I think Fountain for Carson gets this dub. So there you go. After that, they go away. So they don't even play a home game until uh, their third week of the season here. But they go away and they play George Washington up in Denver. Oh boy, that George Washington squad. I think people are sleeping on them a little bit too much going to this season. But let's just be honest. They have two of probably the best skill players in the entire state hands down they have an elite running back in marcellus honeycutt jr last year almost rushed for 15 uh rushing yards rushed for a casual 20 touchdowns will probably be closer to 30 touchdowns this next year and he's an absolute beast somebody that already has d1 offers uh in addition they also have a receiver uh, and by the way, I believe they play both sides in Silas Evans, a legit 4-4 speed guy, a true speedster, has offers from basically the entire Ivy League. On top of that, he does have a couple D1 offers himself. And so those two guys alone, oh, and they're returning the quarterback too, um, not, not to sleep on him or anything. But those two guys, along with the returning quarterback and all these weapons around them, they're going to be dangerous. That is going to be a handful for this Falcon defense and really any defense to handle and I just think this Falcon team will not be quite ready for that much firepower that much D1 firepower right there and plus they're playing away too in Denver so that's just tough after that they play Aurora Central and speaking of offensive firepower they definitely have it they have two very talented running backs in Simeon Veasley uh, in addition to Kyrie's Kirby, both of those guys put up numbers. Uh, last year, I saw Falcon play them, and they even struggled against them. Going into this year, I feel like they're going to find pay dirt a little bit more against a Falcon team that is just not as experienced. On top of that, they do have a couple returning players on defense. Uh, Brandon Weatherford is a big defensive end, uh, slash tight end, and then a couple other guys as well. And so Aurora Central is not going to be an easy team to play, even at home. And it doesn't get easier because the following week, they play Vista Ridge. And, you know, Brandon Dorman, B.B. Hills, we saw what they did to uh, their experienced defense last year. Can only imagine what they do to this defense this year. So we'll see. But those first four games are difficult. There are not many teams that will come out of that four game stretch undefeated or even at 500. Because I legitimately feel like these four teams are legit playoff contenders. Um, maybe not playoff contenders, but they're definitely playoff teams. Like, I'd be surprised if any of these teams miss the playoffs. Uh, except for maybe Aurora Central, but even then, they're going to put up numbers against you regardless. After that four-game stretch, there's two games where I really feel like they should be able to win. 
or at least be pretty competitive in. That's a Lewis Palmer and Coronado, both home games. Uh, I just think they should be able to beat them. They have a little bit more talent. Uh, Falcon does, and they're a little bit deeper there at certain positions. And so I feel like they really could beat Lewis Palmer and Coronado. Actually, I should be specifically, I feel like they should definitely beat Lewis Palmer. Coronado, I would probably... I would probably favor them. I think they're still winnable games, but they're going to have to battle. And I need to see a couple more players establish themselves before comfortably picking Falcon. But, you know, this would be about midway through the season. So we'll see about that. But Coronado could be a little bit of a toss-up game. Still winnable, though. After that, it gets pretty difficult. They play Montrose away, too, which is a long drive. And, you know, Montrose is a very brutal team. They run the ball tough. They play very tough defense. That's not going to be an easy game. I think Montrose at this point um, is going to be one of the better teams in Colorado. So, there you go. Another playoff team. Then they play Pueblo West at home. Oh, boy. I believe Pueblo West is probably going to make the playoffs. They have a billion receivers it feels along with a very talented sophomore quarterback that will be starting this year i just don't think falcon will have the firepower offensively to beat them if it comes down to a shootout so there you go then you have air academy near the end of the season they play them away but you know i feel like falcon should definitely be able to beat air academy like i favor falcon in that matchup so there you go. And then to end the season, they have Mesa Ridge. I think that's a winnable game for Falcon 2, but I'm still going to go ahead and favor Mesa Ridge. Uh, I like Mesa Ridge's head coach and Coach Califf over there. I respect the dude a lot. I think he does a lot to develop his players. And even though they are losing some players, just like Falcon, you know, I kind of have a little bit more faith in Mesa Ridge to edge this one out. So there you go. Ultimately, you know... I have, like I said, I have Falcon going two and eight. I think Falcon's window of wins is anywhere between two to four. Maybe, you know, they go ahead and beat Mesa Ridge and Coronado, adding to their predicted dubs against Lewis Palmer and Air Academy. But other than that, I just really don't see them beating any of these other teams. Uh, some of these, you know, wins might be replaceable. But I think at best, Falcon wins four games. And it's not because they suck or they don't have enough talent. I think just right now, there's just a lot of unknowns. I need to see players step up straight up. And then as well, I need to see what the coaching staff does too. You know, I wouldn't exactly say they're a known commodity and whatnot either. So this is definitely a proving year for Falcon. I'm excited to see uh, how they move forward, how much they really learn this season because they're playing very good talent. You know, you're going to know what kind of football player you are playing the likes of Fountain for Carson, Vista Ridge, George Washington, Montrose Pueblo West, Mace Ridge. You're going to know what kind of football player you are by the end of the season. And, you know, you'll either be more confident in yourself or you'll have the understanding that, yo, I got to work on some things. So there you go. That is Falcons 2022 slash, I guess, 2023 football season preview. All right. Now, coming up, we're going to talk about Liberty High School, starting with last year's recap. Uh, extremely tough year. Zero and ten. Didn't win a game. Also forfeited a game to Fountain for Carson. The only game they didn't lose by more than two scores to was Palmer, who they lost to 23 to 14 at the end of the season. On top of that, they never scored over 14 points all season, while their defense allowed a whopping 41 points per game. So just an extremely tough season for Liberty here. 
and I mean a lot of these games just were not close now some of the seniors they are graduating is Aiden Swanson he was their lead passer obviously with 1157 passing yards six touchdowns to one interception also rushed for like 100 yards and two touchdowns they're also losing their top three receivers and Caleb Ballard he had 26 receptions 449 receiving yards four touchdowns William Winters 13 receptions 375 receiving yards a touchdown and then Luis Alamo nine receptions 195 receiving yards they're also on defense losing their top two sack leaders and joseph shaver and tyler uh dosh i want to say each had two sacks so it wasn't anything crazy they're losing a starting db and luis alamo who had the only interception for this team all season and defensively they're losing seven of their top 11 tacklers and then on top of that they're losing at least two linemen so a lot of players are gonna have to be replaced from this squad that did not win a game last season so maybe there are some new opportunities for players to step up here you know some young players that we do not know about that aren't established yet and so i'm sure those opportunities will uh, present themselves but let me talk about a couple players that are established for this team we know what role they play starting with chris hunter um he will be a junior running back i believe but as a sophomore, ran for 363 rushing yards on 70 carries and was the lead rusher. Also caught 21 passes for 155 receiving yards. So one of the lone bright spots on the team, uh, especially as an underclassman. So he'll be returning as a junior. You also have Lucas Westerman. He was one of our freshman of the year candidates here in Foray. And he led this team in tackles, uh, both on this team, and was one of the top tacklers, freshman tacklers in the entire state as well. So it will be interesting to see what kind of production you could get out of him this year and if he could be a stable force for this team on defense and get better because teams are probably going to start keying in on him as well and then two guys i want to mention here real quick kyle carroll and nico reyes uh they both play safety i'm gonna be honest their film didn't quite pop off the screen but they'll definitely help with some stability uh bring some stability to this liberty squad that is just losing a lot on defense so you take all the starters you could get uh, Westerman being one, and then I believe Carol and Reyes will be a couple more. So there you go. There, those are some guys that are established for Liberty that I feel like will have a significant role with the team. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and predict the record and straight up, I just don't think they're going to win a game. At best, they win one or two. So their window of wins is anywhere from zero to two. And, you know, I'm just going to be honest, their schedule is not complete, but they will be playing an easier schedule against some teams like Sierra, Canyon City, and Centaurus. But honestly, they're already losing so much to start. And so, I'm confident in saying their only established players right now are Chris Hunter and Lucas Western. You know, established players slash impact players. Players that are going to, you know, not just do their job, but perform above it because they're talented. Outside of that, somebody has to step up and secure a role and perform. Not just do their job, but do a very good job. And then from there, we'll see how the season goes. Just because their schedule, I mean, like I said, you have a couple easier teams here in Canyon City, Sierra, Centaurus. Uh, maybe they beat Sierra here. But other than that, I'm looking at teams like Air Academy, who has a star that absolutely ripped up this Liberty, Liberty team last year that had more experienced players. You know, I'm looking at Thomas Jefferson. They have some guys over there. Thornton, Widefield. Uh, both of those teams beat them last year and are returning some players. And so 
I just don't know if Liberty's gonna win a game. Like I said, maybe at best they win two games, right? They beat Sierra, Canyon City, or Centaurus, or some combination of that, or whatever this season. But right now, I just have a very hard time seeing them win more than two games. And part of that is, you know, obviously talent. The other part is, you just don't have many established starters. And on top of that, you know, the established starters you do have were either underclassmen last year or you know like they only had one year of experience or whatever and so going to this season we'll see if they get better if their production could be better but teams definitely know who they are and gonna key in on them and if you really only have two players out of 22 that you got key in on and worry about it's a little bit of a problem so we'll just see about liberty there but like i said i believe they'll probably win two games at most but realistically i just have a very hard time seeing them win a game considering they really only have two established players here in chris hunter and lucas westerman and so players have to step up you're gonna have an opportunity to play most likely throughout this season for liberty if you are on that squad and you know someone's gotta win a someone's gotta win a role and from there, you know, you got to secure that role. So we'll see what happens. Moving on, though, let's go ahead and talk about Palmer High School. Now, last year, they struggled. And historically, Palmer has been struggling for a bit now. But last year, they won 2-8. They beat Mitchell 35-9. Then they beat Liberty near the end of the season 23-14. They also lost a pretty close game to Sand Creek 12 to six now last year before the season i predicted them not being able to win a game but i did say they could potentially beat mitchell and then straight up i was just wrong about liberty uh, i felt like liberty would be able to beat palmer uh, obviously that was not true and so there you go there but two and eight for palmer that's not too bad there they are losing a couple players including joe Naple. here's their leading rusher with 238 rushing yards and five touchdowns also led the team in tackles with 64 they're also losing a uh, timothy garcia he had 33 receptions for 605 receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns and then palmer is losing four of their top 11 tacklers from last year to graduation as well which compared to some other teams is not really bad at all now key players to look out for going into this 2022 season william tractor uh he will be a senior uh this year but last year's junior was one of the top tacklers on this defense with 53 tackles at linebacker he was also the second leading tackler for them and now that joe Naples is gone he'll probably take on a bigger role and that production should shoot up a little bit so be on the lookout for him and then dyson sharpton uh as a freshman he played for this team last year on varsity and he was the fourth leading tackler on this squad and so with one year of varsity experience under his belt you know he enters this sophomore season as somebody who could take another significant step forward but you know a player that i'm very interested in played last year as a freshman started last year as a freshman is thomas pickern he played quarterback and he threw for 927 passing yards threw six touchdowns to 14 interceptions so a little bit of a rough go but at the end of the season he did have a nice game against liberty where he went 14 of 31 for 163 passing yards three touchdowns and no interceptions now palmer showed they weren't afraid to throw the ball with him uh, at that as he did have over 30 pass attempts 
four of the six times last season where he did get the start. So it'll be really interesting to see how he develops. Um, now, looking at his film, he does have kind of a tendency to stare down targets, but he does move well enough in the pocket, and he has shown that there is a bit of arm talent there as well. Now, here's the thing with Palmer. Like I said, historically, they've struggled you know to not only win games but you know to field a team and so it will be seen whether some of these players return or not obviously some of these players are multi-sport athletes and so they may just choose to focus on their one sport that is fine you know but uh, it'll be seen you know how many return actually return for Palmer and then we'll go from there but let me go ahead and predict the record here as of right now they only have about six or so uh, games scheduled those six games are against Rampart, Greeley Central, Centaurus, Thornton, Whitefield, and Hinkley High School. Now out of those six games, I'm going to predict those six games. Realistically, I think they maybe win one game. Now the schedule isn't complete, you know, and so there might be some easier games that they could, uh, you know, win here and there. But honestly, I think with the schedule they have right now and I'm recording this June 23rd, by the way, so just keep that in mind. Uh, so it might change here in the next couple weeks. But with the schedule they have now, I think maybe they beat Hinkley. Uh, if they were to play Mitchell, they would probably beat them as well. I could potentially count that as a dub. But other than that, there just aren't many established players on the squad that I feel super confident in. You have a lot of young players that contributed to the team last year, but it was a season where they went 2-8. You know, so you kind of got to keep that in mind. Um, but going into this year, it's to be seen whether, you know, like I said, those players are retained and what happens to them and how they develop and all that great stuff. And so my window of wins for Palmer High School is anywhere from zero to two. Like I said, at the time I'm recording this, their schedule is incomplete. But honestly, there aren't many teams in the state that have feel like they could be at least on the level they are on right now you know like i said maybe they beat hinkley which is still a maybe that could that's probably closer to a toss-up than a favor for palmer and then if they play mitchell again this year i think they beat mitchell you know but other than that i think two wins is pretty good and you know this is another learning year for them you know we'll see who stays we'll see who develops and then we'll go from there Ultimately, I feel like they're closer to winning one or two games than going with that win. So just keep that in mind. But that's my uh, season preview for Palmer High School. All right. Now, the last team I want to talk about here, at least on this episode, is Vista Ridge High School. Now, last year, they went seven and four. Uh, they won a couple games in the playoffs. Well, they won, I think, one game in the playoffs. And then they lost to Loveland High School. But uh, some of the losses they had uh, this season, other than that, was losing to Pine Creek 41 to 20. I was at that game. They also lost to Montrose 42 to 28, round midseason, and then at the very end of the season, they lost to Palmer Ridge 41 to zero. And then, like I said, lost in the second round to a very strong Loveland team, 48 to 24, after winning a playoff game against Skyline. 43 to 14 now the story of vista ridge last year was that you know they were gonna have a very dynamic running back slash safety in dom nichols who would make this offense you know a, a bit more balanced out 
because they had Braden Dorman, they had a bunch of receivers, but they didn't really have a running back to take the lead. Unfortunately, that did not happen. And last year, we kind of, you know, predicted Vista Rich's record and season based on the fact that they would have Dom. And so we called them contenders. And even then, without Dom, you know, we felt like they were a team that could potentially make a run. They weren't going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. So there you go. But without Dom, their lead rusher ran for 212 yards in five games. So... There you go. In total, they only rushed for 753 rushing yards and 11 rushing touchdowns last season with a running back by committee squad. Meanwhile, Braden Dorman, you know, the four-star quarterback, number one quarterback in the state, going to Arizona, University of Arizona, went for 2,765 passing yards through 30 touchdowns to eight interceptions, plus... His top three receivers all caught for over 650 receiving yards and at least seven touchdowns. And they had a solid enough defense led by Justice Laulu, uh, who went on to play D1 football at Eastern Washington. And he was also our number one, I believe, interior defensive lineman in the state, well, in the class of 2022. So there you go. You know, this this was a very talented team last year. Now, some of the graduating seniors they have is, like I mentioned, Justice here. Uh, he was the second leading tackler on this team. He was one of their starting offensive linemen. He is going to be a big one to, to lose just because he was such a force on that line on both sides. You know, and so that's going to be tough. They're also losing Isaiah Garcia. Here's their lead tackler on defense with 121 tackles. And I believe he had uh, a couple of tackles for losses as well. Oh, and was also the sack leader with four. Uh, they're also losing Xavier Cisneros to graduation. Uh, he was their starting DB, who was also their interception leader with four. And then on top of that, well, just in general, they are losing seven of their top 11 tacklers along with their second lead receiver in Keyshawn Bridges, uh, who is their second lead receiver in yards and touchdowns. So they're losing a couple of players, mostly defensive players, which might hurt them down the line. But let's go ahead and talk about some of the key players on this team. Number one, easily Braden Dorman. He's the quarterback of the squad. He is going to power this offense and probably a lot of the success of this team. But you know what? He doesn't do what he does. And he's a talented quarterback. But he doesn't do what he does without this elite receiving core. Arguably the best in the entire state. Led by three-star wide receiver B.B. Hills. Who just committed, I believe, to Washington State. So congrats to him. And then as well, you have Keyshawn Dooley. Gavin Jenkins, who, by the way, is their biggest receiver at six four and then you have some young guns here as well and mason carter kobe dooley arguably one of the fastest 2026 players in the entire state probably one of the fastest athletes period in the entire state as well and so this receiving core is gonna eat like i said last year you know their top three receivers all caught for over 650 receiving yards and at least seven touchdowns you could probably see the same amount of production there obviously you're losing Keyshawn bridges but they are extremely deep 
at wide receiver. I'd be very surprised if Braden Dorman didn't go over 3,000 passing yards and, you know, didn't go over 30 touchdowns again this year. So there you go. That's basically their entire offense. They're going to be passing it a lot and they got a lot of guys that could get it done for them too. So you got to, I mean, you got to just game plan for that, which is going to be extremely difficult to do. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, they got Jojo Garnett. Saw multiple times that Team Full Gorilla rose a tank straight up. And, you know, in the times he was in coverage, he does a pretty solid job for somebody at his size, weight, speed, agility, all that great stuff. So, I'm not like, oh, he's a liability, you know, when it comes to pass coverage. He's definitely somebody that you could throw out there at middle linebacker, and he's going to get the job done. Um, now, I'm just going to throw this out there. There are definitely times I feel like he might have been a little over-aggressive in sevens, but in pads, who cares? You know, he's going to put it together, and he might even put together a pretty elite highlight tape as a senior. High key, he needs slash should be the enforcer for the squad, especially on defense. You know, you're losing a guy in Justice Laulu. You know, he was a tough guy, a hard-hitting guy, but now you got a guy here in Jojo Garnett who... You know, might not fill the same roles as Justice did, but, you know, if somebody's coming up the middle or, you know, if it's a run play or if it's a pass play over the middle, you know, if you're Jojo Garnett, you got to make somebody pay, you know, straight up. That's what you got to do uh, because, you know, it can't be all offense for this Vista Ridge team. And, uh, you know, Jojo is definitely somebody that might be able to make our top five middle linebackers list. I believe that's where he's going to play either there or outside linebacker. And so we'll see. He's definitely in contention. I, I don't know specifically where I would put him, but he's definitely probably one of the best linebackers in the entire state. So there you go. Uh, on top of that, you know, more specifically on the line, you have a guy in A.J. Jordan. He's this big 6'5", 220-pound, you know, defensive end, um, defensive tackle. It kind of looked like there were times he was more of a 3-4 defensive end, which meant, you know, he probably played in the interior more. But there were times he was a pass rusher, and he was definitely on the outside as well. Last year, he had three sacks, but he also had almost 10 hurries and so he does a nice job using his hands getting leverage all that stuff and honestly going into this year he could be that guy that could step up as a pass rusher and be a force on that defensive line a lot of those hurries absolutely need to be converted into sacks this year and so i feel like those two guys between jojo garnett aj jordan should be able to you know return some toughness to a defense that is gonna look pretty green out there um, or at least as far as experience go, they will be pretty green out there because like I said, they are losing the majority of their uh, top 11 tacklers from last year and some key defensive guys. And so it's going to look a little bit different. But to kind of balance that out, they're going to have an elite offense. This is going to be an offense that could potentially put up anywhere between four to five touchdowns a game at least. Or at least they should if they want to win games. That's just me being completely honest. Uh, they have a talented quarterback. Probably the most one of the most talented quarterbacks in the entire state. Um, like I said, the receiving core, elite. I don't know many receiving cores that really stack up against them. They're probably the best in the entire state. And I, I'm just going to be real there. Super deep too, you know. And so if they got to you know rest somebody or if something happens to one of them you know obviously knocking on wood that so that nobody gets hurt they're gonna have backups that could step in and you know do good enough so there you go with all that being said 
I'm gonna go ahead and predict Vista Ridge's record at seven and one. As of right now, they have eight games scheduled. They do have a game put aside for September 2nd. Um, the opponent is going to be announced at a later date. And so they'll probably play nine games. But even then, I feel like their window of wins is pretty much anywhere from eight to ten, depending on, you know, how many games they schedule. Right now, they're at about nine games, uh, including that one that they haven't scheduled yet. Regardless, if I'm being completely honest with you, Vista Ridge really shouldn't lose more than two games this regular season. And look, it's regular season and all that, so it's not like it matters the most, but they should definitely make the playoffs. And like I said, I'd be surprised if they lost three games. I'd be even more surprised if they lost four games, which I don't think is going to happen at all, and I'd be shocked if it did. And so, with that being said, let me go at, let me go ahead and actually run down the schedule that they have so far. So, to open the season, they play Legend. I'm going to favor Vista Ridge. Led this Legend team, you know, last year they were great. This year, they are losing a lot of players. So, Vista Ridge, they are extremely, extremely seasoned, especially on the off offensive side of the ball. And then defensively, they got some seniors there too. So, I think Vista Ridge easily takes care of business there. Um, the opponent or whoever they play, I think there's probably an 80% chance that it's a team that they could beat. So I'm not even really tripping about that. Moving on though, they do play Pine Creek on September 9th, Friday. That's probably a game that I will be at. I should be at, hopefully. I'd be really sad if I couldn't go, but I should be at that game personally. Um, look, Vista Ridge played Pine Creek last year. There's a lot of hype around it. Probably one of the most crowded games I've been to at that stadium. And I'm just going to be honest. It was not a great performance. It was not a good performance from Braden Dorman and, you know, the rest of this offense. I think Dorman played a little sloppy and it was just very uncharacteristic. He knows he could play better than that. And so going into this game, he's a senior. He got that game from his junior year out of the way. I think if he's on top of it, if he's sharp this game, that's easily a game that they should probably, maybe not easily, well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say it's an easy game that they should win, but that's probably a game that they could win, realistically. Now, it definitely won't be easy. That'll probably be their biggest challenge of the entire season before they make playoffs and whatnot. And so they're going to have to take this game seriously, but not, you know, put too much stock in winning or losing this game because it's like the third game of the season. So just keep that in mind. But I really do think that Vista Ridge could, you know, go ahead and edge out Pine Creek here and get that dub. This is low-key a growing rivalry, but for it to be a rivalry... Uh, you know, you gotta, gotta go back and forth, so we'll see about that as Pine Creek has been dominating the area for a minute, but I would, at least in my opinion, I would go ahead and say that I probably favor Vista Ridge versus Pine Creek in this one. We'll see what happens, though. It's going to be a great game regardless. If you're in the area, absolutely have to go. It's must-watch football. Probably the best in the entire state. Moving on from there, they play Falcon. They should beat him. Uh, then they play Vista Peak, Northfield, Air Academy, Rampart. I think those are all pretty much easy dubs. Uh, there's no reason they should lose to any of them. So there you go. Then at the end of the season, once again, they get Palmer Ridge. Last year was very uncharacteristic. I don't know what happened at the end of the season, but Palmer Ridge 
completely obliterated Vista Ridge. And it wasn't like Vista Ridge was sitting anybody before playoffs because Braden Dorman had 35 pass attempts. Now, Palmer Ridge, they are losing some key guys in Anthony Costanzo, who's our number one safety from last year. Uh, Connor Cook, who was, you know, one of our honorable mentions at running back last year. Uh, Connor Jones, one of our top tackles from last year, along with Alec Falk, who I believe was our second um, offensive tackle from last year. And so they're losing quite a bit. But they still have a number of skill players on offense and defense who will heavily challenge Vista Ridge on both sides of the ball. You know, they have Jackson St. Aubin, their center from last year, who's going to be the leader of this offensive line. So it's not like they don't have any experience. And honestly, if you're going to return an offensive lineman, returning your center is pretty good. It's as good as it gets, honestly, because they're like the quarterback of their line. So there you go. They're also returning their quarterbacks. You know, a couple receivers, skill players that are very talented, which we'll talk about more, you know, in a Palmer Ridge season preview, which will be coming up soon here in the next couple weeks. But regardless, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say Vista Ridge probably wins this game. It'll be a tough game. And honestly, it'll be interesting to see how both teams approach it, because at this point, you know, whether their teams win or lose this game may not even really affect the playoff standings at that point in the season because it will be near the end. And, I mean, it will basically be done. And plus, both of these teams are going to be very quality squads. I think at the end of the day, it will just affect seeding, which, to be honest with you, when it comes to Chasset, it really doesn't matter because if every team has the same amount of playoff games played, then there's real, really no real home field advantage. That's just my personal opinion. I'm not going to go deeper into that, but... We'll see what happens. I'm going to just throw out there that, you know, that's definitely a game that they may lose. I could see them, like I said, losing two games at most. And it would probably be Pine Creek and Palmer Ridge. But to wrap this thing up, I think Vista Ridge has a window of wins anywhere from 8 to 10. I'd be extremely surprised if they lose more than two games. But, you know, this season should be a fun one. They're going to have a dominant offense. They're going to have some pieces on defense that are going to make the defense really fun to watch. And they probably will be a contender, you know, on this level. Now, I'm going to throw this out there as well. You know, I don't know if they're going to find a legitimate, consistent running game um, going into this season. You know, if they if they find a consistent running game where, you know, they could easily rush over a thousand yards and have over 10 to 15 plus rushing touchdowns of this season, even if it's a running back by committee type of deal, then, you know, I, I feel pretty good about this Vista Ridge squad. But as of right now, they're going to rely heavily on their passing game and they're going to try to outshoot you, which they definitely can. And, you know, they have some pieces on defense that are going to challenge opposing offenses straight up. And so we'll see how this season goes. But honestly, I think how far Vista Ridge goes really depends on their quarterback and the receiving core over there. But there you go. That is the first season preview for this 2022 season. Uh, myself, Cody, and Mason have been working on these basically since last season ended. And so every week, I'm going to release an episode. Cody's going to release an episode. 
Mason's going to release an episode. Uh, how we broke up the state of Colorado is that I, for the most part, have a lot of the southern teams, except for the 2A level. I have some teams up in Eden, Resurrection, Christian, Severance, like, you know, that group up there. But for the most part, I'll be taking care of uh, previewing teams down here south of, like, Castle Rock, basically. And then Mason, for the most part, will be previewing teams in the Denver metro area. That's a lot of teams, you know, pretty much anywhere from Highlands Ranch to parts of Arvada and stuff like that. I think Thornton is uh, as far north as he goes. And then speaking of north, Cody has most of the northern teams. That's like Longmont, Boulder, Erie, Meade, Roosevelt, uh, the Greeley schools, the Fort Collins schools, all that stuff. And so, make sure you tune in, you know, every week. We'll be previewing every single team in Colorado from 1A to 5A football, talking about basically everything I just did for these teams here, talking about last year, graduating seniors, key players to look out for, you know, and uh, predicting records. And we're not going to get every, every record right, you know, it's pretty much impossible, plus we have so many teams to do as well. And so we're going to do our best, but we really want to show some recognition to some of these teams before the season starts. And so if you want to know when these episodes drop, go ahead and follow us on social media, that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. All that great stuff at Playmakers Corner. Give us a follow. Show us some love. We really appreciate those interactions. And then if you want to listen to these episodes, uh, you know, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, uh, all that great stuff. It should be on there. And then be on the lookout as well as we will be live streaming some of these previews. Um, I know Cody and I will be picking up that live streaming stuff starting, I believe, basically starting um in july and so we'll be we'll be you know we'll be live streaming some of these previews so you know just make sure you keep an eye out for that those will be on spotify and youtube uh the next day well spotify apple podcast the next day so you know just make sure you are looking out for that and thank you so much for rocking with us and we will catch you later